Fraser, you speak to um, a lot of CIOs and CISOs and helping them figure out what they should be doing better. What, what are the main things you think what's the, that we're not getting right? What else do you think we could be doing differently? Well, I think um, from listening to what they have to say, there's a combination of different things. Um, th- there's always a balance between uh, keeping the lights on running and mm. then growth and what they're going to actually do that's innovative. Mm. And I think a lot of them are always are struggling. Everyone's struggling with do more with less. It's a cliche, but everyone's being forced to try and be more efficient, do other things. And so they've got, a lot of them I speak to have got initiatives around um, cloud enablement and all these sort of things that will enable more flexibility. They're constantly trying to deliver a service to the business, which is what IT is all about. It's facilitating the business. And so it, it ranges. Others I speak to really see themselves as a technology company that happened to sell ships <laughs> or a technology company yeah. that happened to be a bank. You know, right. it depends on whom you speak to because technology is so, so, um, it's so ubiquitous. So most of them are, are, yeah, are struggling with this. Certainly what we're seeing in terms of um, security and the CISO's role as a protection thing is that the marketplace is really struggling to keep pace with the threats. Uh, that they face and that's causing them a big problem because they keep trying like they don't want to keep trying to how Mary pass of like mm. something that's going to be a panacea to all their problems and this is what worries me sometimes about AI and machine learning is that's yeah. being portrayed is that that's going to be that because we hear that hear those terms a lot yeah. and, and a lot of the time they're, they're misused yeah. um, and I think we've got to the point now and and I think I think it's fair to say a lot of CSOs they don't know who to trust I think that's the other difficulty as well yeah, trust is. You know, I think trust is like anything. It's 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 hard won and quickly lost, mm. right? So I think there's a lot of people who try to balance their risk by looking to their existing vendors that they've used for a while or yeah. their existing providers because they have trust in them. But a lot of that of what's going on then is is basically the classic doing what you've always been doing. Mm. So it's a case of well, I know I'm going to need to innovate if I'm going to change things. I know I'm going to need to do something different if I want different results. But how? What do yeah. I do? Yeah. I mean, you and I both recently at InfoSec and it was noisy in more ways than one. Everyone's sort of saying the same things and crowding and yeah. the hype and all that sort of stuff. How do you sort the wheat from the chaff? And how you do that is through trusted relationships, which is why oftentimes we find that the best introductions we get are through people who are providers to them already. So reseller systems integrators who have a trusted relationship, who have known the business for a long while and actually say, well, I'm not just going to put you in this position because you're a new vendor for us and, you know, we want to try and sell a load of your tech. It's more a case of, no, you, you fit. I know what this person's trying to do to get their job done. I know the mm. pressures that they're under. I know, understand their business. been selling to them for a long while. In the same way that, you know, our personal relationships run on that as well. So mm. it's really about just making sure that, you know, the technology fits, but you're getting a route to them where you get to have a sit, um, a sit down, proper conversation mm. and, and really just listening to what, what are you trying to achieve and then how can we help you do it? So, and I think one of the um, the key things in building that trust, I think that um, the vendors need to change the way that they operate a bit as well, because I think that the practice of you know selling the silver bullet or this practice of of, uh, of fear selling, which I'm, I'm afraid is, is rife, um, and some of the way in which some of these vendors try and get their message across, I think that it actually just damages the relationship between. Um, the industry and and, and, the, and the people that need the problem solving as well. And I think well, that has to change. I think yeah. we've got responsibility as vendors to try and operate differently. Yeah, I think so. And, and to really understand what the implications of, of whatever it is that you're offering, how does it fit with the ecosystem of what they're already doing? That's it. Um, I think also it's very easy for vendors to come in and, and, and think 
think that their solution, and it's, it's, it's an honest thing that you do, you believe in your own tech, you know, and otherwise you wouldn't be at that firm. But, yeah. but to go in and go, right, okay, it's all about how, how does every road lead to this? But it's okay, well, actually, no, what I've got is a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. So how can I slot that into what you're doing so that the end result is exponentially better? Mm. How's that going to work? Because if I do something to you here, that may help you this way, but how's it going to affect this? How's it going to impact the way you do that? Of course. Um, and how is it going to how's it going to integrate with everything else that you, you're trying to do? And I, and I think there's different levels of maturity. I think that um, for a vendor to go and say you need to buy our tech now um, is naive. It might be that there's other things that are more pressing and more yeah. important that they need to do first. Um, so I think that um, sometimes you know, vendors make the assumption that they need that you, you need what we have now, and that might not be the case at all. And I think that. I really agree with that as well because I think anyone who's in the game for a long time realizes that it doesn't serve anybody if you if you try, if you have a solution and you try to crowbar it into a situation right. because they're not going to be happy, you're not going to be happy, and that's not a good relationship. What everybody wants is something whereby both yeah, it's the classic cliches. It's the win-win. Everyone gets something from it. So I've had a couple of examples where I've been into organisations and we've had a conversation and we've looked at each other across the table and said, "We think there's a future between us now, but." It, it's it ain't right right now. You've got it. You, you can't do this until you've done this, this, and this. Got it, yeah. Get yourself sorted out. You know, um, yeah. we talk to people more now about you know, frameworks and and how what is their what does their security roadmap look yeah. like? What is their vision? What are they trying to achieve? Yeah. What are the things you're going to achieve in the short term that are going to be just tactical things that you need to get done now? And which one of those things are little steps that take you towards this bigger goal? And critically. Which one of those things are you going to do now that could stop you doing something like that in the future? <laughs> right. Because there's no point taking that step unless you've got a real immediate pain to solve. And then you get that, you know, the classic, we've probably talked about this in the past, you and I, the, the important urgent graph. Yeah. You've got some things that are important and urgent. Exactly. You've got to do those. But if you don't do the things that are important that aren't urgent, at some point they're going to become urgent. Yeah. So it's just working out which one's where. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think, you're a bit, I, I think it's quite idealistic to think that people are thinking that strategically about... Um, what really needs to get done and, and taking that, that path like that. I, I fear that, and certainly some of the experiences I've had, is that people are buying vendors that they know, they're buying vendors because they know the colour and they trust the brand, but they're not necessarily taking that step back and saying, what actually, let's start at the very beginning, what is it actually that really matters to our organisation and let's, and let's come up with a plan from there. Yeah, you're right. And I think sometimes, I, I think it's the onus is on us to do this. If you want to be trusted by some by people, you have to be prepared to challenge them. Right. And so sometimes, you know, the analogy I prefer to use around this, and I'm sorry, I love my analogies, <laughs> is, is that everybody knows you shouldn't really drink too much. Everybody knows you shouldn't smoke. Mm. And everybody knows you should exercise. Yeah. How many people do? And the people who do follow that pattern are people who are either rarely conscientious, who are planning for the longer term, or they're people who've gone to see their doctor and the doctor's looked in the eye and say, do you like your kids? Yeah. Do you want to watch them grow up? That's it. Change your life. <laughs> and so what we have, we have to sometimes do is in front of people is to ignore that kind of short-term, short-termism about, okay, it's all about now, it's all about, and for yeah. a vendor, it's all about this week, this month, this quarter, and so on. Yeah. And to be able to say to them, okay, I understand why you're saying that, but t you know, encourage them to take a step yeah. back and to say, look, you need to see this... I, you need to see this from another perspective. And I think that's where you can really add value to people is one thing we certainly do as vendors is we spend every day speaking to their peers. Right. They're so busy heads down with their own company that it's difficult to do that. So one of the things I really enjoy is I see customer A mm. and I listen. I see customer B and I listen and I suggest and I see customer C. Then I go see customer D and I say, 
I'm here in A, B and C. How does that play back to you? And then that keeps going on. So after a while, you get to a position where you can go and have a chat to them and you don't need to talk about what you do, how you do it or anything else. Mm. You're just sort of saying to them, I'm hearing this. Is that relevant for you? And you actually have a role to say, I can spend all my time speaking to your peers. I can probably pick up some tips and tricks for you that I can bring to this meeting that's useful for you. Enables you to take a slightly different perspective. And if you're constantly in the minutiae of things, you will always just be churning through the urgent stuff when there's something else you could be doing. And all the best people I've ever worked for or worked with in various different guises have always been those people who, when things were really hectic, were able just to take a bit of a mm. perspective view and say, okay, we've got to sort this out, we've got to put the fire this out, down a bit. Mm. but let's just think about how we can do this better in the future yeah. so we're not constantly in this cycle. But, but, that, but does that come after a fire? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> potentially. I mean, this is, this is yeah. the other thing. You know, there's wisdom and experience. Yeah. Um, wisdom will say, uh, someone else just tripped over that log, I better not do that. Mm. But most people will only learn when they trip <laughs> over the log themselves. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> And the, the security industry is very much like this because you, you, the implications of this is we're managing risk. Everybody's managing risk and it's just a case of if something bad happens, it's a lot easier to sort of justify stopping it happening in the future. Of course. But then there are other organisations make it more tangible. If you've got a business which is all about intellectual property, then the potential of that being lost is really powerful. Absolutely, if it's yeah. just income, then you can say, well, there's a, ba- there's a profit and loss, you know, bottom line, and I can go, right, okay. As, with the cost of fixing that out, yeah. that. And I'm then we, oh, we lost some brand equity. Yeah. How do you, yeah, all these things, how do they tang yeah. up? Well, if it's happened before, you can say, it cost us this it's much. It's tangible. Yeah. But if it's IP, it's like, well, it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. So to, from a technology perspective, when I speak to businesses who are around this, most of the time they say it's no good for us to know faster and better that our IP has been nicked. Mm. We need to stop it being nicked. Understood. So I think it, it comes down to risk aversion type of business. Mm. And where you see this most, I don't know if you've seen this as well, Aidan, is that when you talk to organisations about security and about risk, it's clear that it is something that is absolutely written into the DNA of some companies and others it's not. Mm. You see some users who sit at a desk and security is somebody else's problem. Mm. Yeah, I'll go on the security training, but I'm just ticking boxes. I'm not really interested. Then you go to a petrochemical company mm. and you walk down the stairs using your mobile phone as a visitor. And any one of the members of staff will stop you and say, don't walk down the stairs using your mobile phone. And you put your hand on the railing. And that's when you realise it's all the way through. Whenever I go to an organisation and I see in the car park a sign that says, you must reverse into your car parking space. Mm. Why is that? I ask someone, it's because... Someone did some stats that said when you reverse into your car parking space and therefore drive out, there are a percentage less accidents. <laughs> so when I see that in a firm, I think it's going to be a very different conversation to yeah, them. Yeah, interesting. When I go into another firm and I just see people walking around with their own personal phones yeah. and plugging stuff in. So sometimes the job, going back to a question actually asked a minute ago, is mm. sometimes the job I think of the CISO and the CIO is to say, how can we make security something that everyone is conscious of, yeah. everyone is taking seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely.